Of course, you all know that during this hour, each week, we are a part of a team that ministers to our young people. And um, Pastor asked me a week or so ago and said if I would come and, and uh, minister to this group. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, well, you know, is there anything particular that you'd like me to talk about? And he said, well, you know, just whatever the Lord brings to your heart and to your mind, um, speak on it. So, you know, I found it uncanny that um, when I'm over there, uh, we're talking about things that are relative to the students and what they need to do to live and how they need to live their lives, how they need to follow Scripture, um, how they need to obey their parents, how they need to obey their parents. All right. I knew somebody would say something. Um, and, and, and I get over here, and the pastor gives me the freedom to talk about whatever I want to talk about, and guess who I want to talk about? <laughs> y'all kids. My kids. Y'all, me. Um, and I felt strongly from the Holy Spirit that this is what we need to talk about. So our topic tonight is going to be Parenting these days. Parenting these days. Um, how many of you would agree with me that it is extremely difficult to parent in these days? Huh? By a show of hands. All right, okay, that's not good enough. I'm going to do this. <laughs> it is difficult to parent in these days. Um, our children see a lot. They face a lot. You and I are going through a lot. We're experiencing various things. We're trying to be professionals in our environment. We're trying to hit the corporate ladder and take that ladder to success. We're trying to be good at what we do. And then we've got these little kids. And some of us got these big kids who need guidance. And it is our job as parents to take time out of our busy schedules to minister and to be parents to our children. This life is not about your success. I'm going to say that again. This life is not about your success. It's not about your career advancement, your career choices, not about your job, not about the cars and houses, not about any of that. Your life is supposed to bring God glory in every aspect. And where are we as it relates to our children? Now, I haven't come to get on anybody. I've really come to encourage you. Um, we're going to look at some things in Scripture that, you know, it may step on some toes. That's what Scripture does. It steps on me, head, foot, shoulders, knees, and toes. And, and, and so if the Scripture does it, that's what it does. Just know it's not me. Please don't write me. Don't call me. Write pastor. This, he, this, this was his doing. Um, so I want to look at, at 2 Timothy chapter 3 in, in the NIV version is what I'll be uh, reading from and looking at. And um, this is just a starting point. This is just a starting point. We're going to look and move on to some other scriptures that are relevant to what we're going to be talking about as it relates to parenting. And we're going to see some things that you probably have never really paid attention to in the scripture. And it's been there for thousands of years. Because we're going to look at some stuff in the Old Testament that took place thousands of years ago. And we're going to get a, get a keen view on some parents and on some people who, in our eyes, are heroes. In our eyes are, are strong leaders and were strong leaders in their time and in their community, in their place, in their space. But my God, when it came down to parenting, oh my goodness, some stuff went on. Say some stuff went on. Some stuff is going on. And Paul wrote Timothy to address the stuff that was going on then and prophetically the stuff that's going on right now. Paul wrote a letter or two letters, I should say, to, to Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. I'm not sure if Paul knew exactly the, how, how far reaching those letters would be because those were personal letters that he was writing to his protege, his understudy. And so he writes these letters 
to deal with issues that were, were, were in the church or issues that could affect the church. And in his letter, he's going to talk about some church leaders, in particular, uh, Alexander and Hymenaeus, um, um, who, who were distorting the truths of God for their own benefit. And they were causing harm to the church. And Paul is writing his protege. He's writing Timothy, young Timothy, to tell him to keep the faith. But not only that, he wants to keep the faith, but he wants to warn young Timothy of some things that he may see and some things that you and I will see. Some things that he may encounter, some things that you and I do encounter. And so in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at, at, at verse 1, I love how Pastor has us to read uh, together, so I, I'd like for us to, to continue to doing that. It, that does get you into the message itself. So I want us to read this passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. All right, ready, read. But stop! If you see something that says, mark this, that's another word for pay close attention. Another word for saying, bet your bottom dollar. Another way of saying, believe me, this is about to take place or this is going to happen. In the KJV, it says, this know also. Amongst other things, he says, I've got something so important to tell you, Timothy, that I want you to mark this. Know that I'm getting ready to share something with you that is, that, that is far-reaching. It has, uh, um, it, it's dangerous, it, it's sad, but I need for you to pay attention and mark this. And so here's what he says, all right, y'all, keep, keep reading. But mark this, there will be, people will be, Was that worth marking? Was that worth saying pay attention to? I certainly believe so. So Paul is telling Timothy by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not Paul. When Paul is talking, when Paul has his own inserts, he'll say it. He'll say, now this is me talking. He didn't say that. He started talking, writing. And whether he wrote those words himself or through his writer, because, you know, the physician Luke stayed with him a good while and other folks were with him and people were in and out. But 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 Paul says this is so important, Timothy, and he goes through this whole litany of things. He says, I need for you to understand that there will be terrible days and, and uh, terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, without self-control, without self-control, um, 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 brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here it is, having a form of godliness, but yet denying its power. So he's saying that you know, not only are these things are going to be in, in, in the world, but you're going to see these things in the church because you're going to have some people who are going to be in the church. They're, they're going to be active in the church. They're going to have a, a church talk. They're going to say stuff like when, when, when praises go up. All right. All right. Y'all know that stuff, right? I'm blessed and God is good and all the time, but ain't got a lick of power in them. Not one ounce. Because they are themselves denying the true power of God. In other words, they come to me with their lips, but their hearts are pushed away or far from me. God is warning him 
Okay, God is warning us that we've got to be careful of those things. Now, you and I would certainly agree, I'm certain of this, we, we would agree that this is a description of the times that we are living in right now. Is that right? We would agree that, that, that holistically that these are the days that, I mean, we, if you can't miss any of this today. Lovers of money, lovers of themselves, boastful, proud, arrogant, uh, uh, conceited, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, all those things we see prevalent in the world. These, this scripture describes the world, guys, that our children are living in. But here's the thing. My fear is, is that not only does this give us a picture of the world that our children are living in, I'm also afraid that this scripture is giving us a picture and describing a world that our children are choosing. You know it to be true. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of y'all have ungrateful children or grandchildren? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to do it. Oh, Lord, she embarrassed the children. (laughs) Ungrateful. As soon as you do one thing, they want what? Something else. As soon as you take an inch, they want a what? A mile. And hardly do they ever pause and just say, Thank you. Thank you. Do y'all know that those are two powerful words? Thank you. Do you know that those two words will carry you far? I don't care if a person gives you a drink of water. Brother Jerry brought this water up here. It's cold. I like it. It's aquafina. It's good water. Thank you, Brother Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. He brought me pastor's uh, handkerchief. Pastor, you know, and so, I, I, look, I, I like this because I know this, heck, this handkerchief has sweat e- equity in it. I know it does, so I'm, I'm going to use it if I don't even need to. I'm going to be just like Elisha. You know, he said, Elijah, he said, he told Elijah, now, Elijah, give me a double portion of what you have, all right? Now, it might be in this handkerchief right here, y'all. And so he, he warns him, he says, he says, whatever you do, don't have anything to do with those people. What if those people are in our houses? Some of those people are right there in our homes and in our houses today or will be if we're not careful. Okay? Now, that's just the, the highlight of, of, of what the, I really wanted to talk about. Okay? That's, that, that's like the, the backdrop. Okay? I said highlight, but, but it's like the backdrop. Keep, keep that particular passage of Scripture in mind as we go through the rest of this. Okay? All right. Um. I want you to, to turn now to 1 Samuel. We're still in NIV. 1 Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. All right. Now, it's got some words in here, guys. Um, I, I'm not Hebrew, nor am I Greek. And uh, so, and I, I really, I hit the play button on my, on my Bible app so I can hear these names pronounced. So that at least it'll sound good. But if I butcher it, just charge it to my head, not to my heart, all right? Y'all wouldn't know any, any, any way yourself. All right? All right? Maybe Sister Doris would know. All right. So let's look at this, this passage of Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Verse 1 through 3. Now, my message really isn't even coming from this passage of Scripture. Now, the other passage of Scripture from 2 Timothy, um, that's, that's like the background. That's the big picture. This one is just a place marker. This is just to let us understand who are some certain people that we want to look at. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says, There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one called Hannah and the other called Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. 
Verse 3 is the one I really want us to look at. Year after year, this man, who's this man? Elkanah, right? All right, this man, Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where he, remember these names, where Hophni and Phinehas, uh, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. All right, now let's look at those names again. Hophni and Phinehas were two sons of Eli, and they were also the priests of the Lord. Now, who were Hophni and Phinehas? They were priests of who? And they were two sons of who? They were the two sons of who? And the priests of who? Okay. So these men were children of the priest and also priests themselves because Eli served as the high priest at that particular time. So this was a man with a whole lot of clout, all right? Therefore, these were men because typically uh, in the Old Testament from, with the priesthood, it, it, it came from the Levitical tribe. And if your father was a priest, then typically your sons were priests. God have mercy if that happened to my kid. I can see Micah now. Uh, acting crazy. Um, but that's how it was then. That's not how it is now. Let's make that let's, let's understand that. And I've had to share with, 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 with children of pastors, children of, of, of ministers who, who thought, you know, possibly that they had to do what their dad did. And I've had to share with them. I said, no, son, what you want to do is what the Holy Spirit calls you to do. You want to be who the Holy Spirit calls you to be. If you feel the Spirit uh, 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 pressing you to preach or, to, or enter into ministry, then you do that. But if you don't, for God's sake, don't. Because if you don't have that calling, it's just not there. You can't sum it up. You can't drum it up. You can't drink it up. It's just not there. You can operate out of a different spirit, but it won't be from the Holy Spirit. All right? It won't be. It'll be from the other spirits. Um, look at chapter 2. Chapter 2, 1 Samuel, chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 12. We're going to look at verse 12 through verse 17, and then we're going to drop down and go to verse 22 through 25. Uh, you know, forgive me if that's a lot of scriptures, guys, but I really need for you to see this. I don't have but 28 minutes left. All right. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12 says, Eli's sons were scoundrels or wicked scoundrels. In the, in the KJV, it calls them sons of Belial. A son of Belial meant that you were a son of Satan. Now, again, if you recall what we just read, who were these guys? They were Oh, my God. Priests of the Lord and sons of, of Eli. And the Bible says in verse 12, Eli's sons were w- wicked men, scoundrels, sons of Belial. That word Belial means uh, not only son of Satan, but it means worthless. It means wicked. And here's what it says. Keep and continue. It says they had no regard for the Lord. Verse 13. Now it was the practice of the priests that, and they're talking about these priests, not the practice of the priests in general. Let's, let's not get that mistaken. It was the practice of these two scoundrel, no good, worthless sons of Eli. It was their practice that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled. Verse 14, and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take it for himself. Now, this is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. Verse 15, but even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, nope, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Verse 22. And stop at verse 22 for a second. Verse 22 says, now Eli, who was very old, 
heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how he slept with the women who served at the entrance of the, meet, uh, of the tent of meeting. Now, now but I, I don't even find it necessary to go to verse 23. I'm going to tell you why. I already know how he handled it. This man is a priest of the high, low, high, high God. This, this man had, had clout. He served for God. I mean, you know, the high priest had serious power. And so I already know how he handled it. Y'all, we can close our Bibles. Don't worry about it because here's what happened. Eli the priest sent some, some servants out who were guards, and he had the captain of the guard go and get his two sons and march them in before the city gate where everything always took place. Eli the priest stood on the platform. He looked down at his sons, and he said, now, whose boys are y'all? Now, y'all know how I raised y'all, but y'all playing me for a fool. Not only that, you playing God for a fool. I hear about you. You like women, huh? You, 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 like, you like to take the meat from the pot, huh? Okay, cool. Here's what we're going to do. Guards, I want you to strip them of all of their authority. That's, that's verse 24. Strip them of all their authority. You guys are not only scoundrels, but I don't even regard you as sons. I'm turning my back on you. Not only that, you are going to receive 40 lashes. And I'm going to pray to the Lord and ask if there's any further punishment that he wants me to give you. Because I want you to know, though I loved you all your lives, your life is in jeopardy. Y'all think that's what they said? Oh, Lord. (sighs) Okay, since y'all don't believe me, let's look at verse 23. Verse 23. So Eli the priest, he said to them, to his sons, "Why, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people the wicked deeds of yours. No, no, my sons, my sons, no. The report I hear of spreading among the Lord's people, it's not good. It's, it's just not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate the, for the offender, but if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? And then it goes on to say, but his sons did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put him to death. Put him to death. Okay, so he goes and does the exact opposite of what I just presented before you. Now, if he had followed my advice, (laughs) these boys might have had a slim chance of being able to talk about it. But because they did not, and because he did not handle the situation as a father should, God made up his mind that he was going to put these boys to death. The problem is, with his parenting, there were no consequences to bad actions. That was the problem. The problem with Eli's parenting was that there were no consequences to his children's bad actions, and they knew that. Y'all know that y'all children know that y'all ain't going to do nothing? Do y'all know that y'all children would tell us? I was in education for, for, for a little while when we... Had a, had a program at another school, a barbering program, and, and you could tell, you could, you could threaten to say, I'm going to call your daddy. Okay. <laughs> what that mean? I'm going to call your mama. Two, three, zero, zero. My mama ain't going to do nothing. And I have seen children cuss pa- their parents out. I have seen that. I'm sure Ed has seen it too. Cuss them completely out from top to bottom. Made me so mad I won't get my belt and tear them up. You know? It's that kind of foolishness, but there are no consequences to their actions. Y'all know, and I shared this with the men uh, uh, last Sunday. Y'all know my parents told me, they said, now, son, you know we love you, but I promise you this. If you go to jail, don't look for us. We ain't coming. My parents told me that. And, yes, sir. And, and guess what, Brother Jerry? I ain't going to jail because I believe my dad. I believe him with all the heart. I believe him right now. If I go out and sell drugs, do alcohol, you know, getting some stuff and get arrested, I'll call my dad and say, okay, well, I'm going to let you sit there and think about that for a while. 
you know, because he made a promise to me that he wasn't coming, and I believe that. But with a lot of our children, there are no consequences to our actions, to their actions, and they know it. So what it does is it keeps them in a perpetual state of sinning. You know, it starts small or maybe a little lie. You know, did you take that juice out the refrigerator? No, ma'am. And they got a mouthful of juice. It's all down their shirt, you know, and you saw it and you didn't do nothing about it. You know, John, you did. You do have juice. So I, I see that juice now. <laughs> that stuff ain't funny. It's not funny. What are you laughing at? He lied to you. Knock him into tomorrow. It's okay. All right? And so, so that, that's what happened. All right? So, so, all right, look at um, um, 1 Samuel. We're still in 1 Samuel. A whole lot happened in 1 Samuel I'm looking at. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. 1 Samuel 8, 1 through 3. Here's what it reads. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as leaders of Israel or as judges for Israel. Okay, don't go any further because I can tell you what happened in that situation. I already know. Samuel served under Eli. So Samuel saw firsthand what Eli's boys had done. And Samuel had to have told his children, now listen, boys, let me sit y'all down right now and let y'all understand something. I might let y'all be judges, y'all might be priests under me and all that kind of stuff, but if you do that same foolishness that Eli's boys did, God gonna light a fire under your behind. And I don't mean an encouraging fire either. He gonna smoke you to death. So I saw with my own eyes Here's the grave. He took him to the grave. He let him see the grave, the stones. I, that's what he did. That's what he did. That's what he did, all right? Is, is that what he did, y'all? Here y'all go again. Y'all can spoil a message. All right, so let's keep looking. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons uh, as, as judges or Israel's leaders. Uh, the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. Keep reading. But his sons, what? Keep reading. Oh, that mercy. The priests, sons, and now the prophet's sons. The priest's sons and now the prophet's sons. Now, in, in both of these situations, the question that you want to know, the question that I want to know, what happened? Right? That's the natural question. What happened? Why? Why? And so the answer, quite simply, is because the parents weren't following after the children. The parents were not following after their children. I'm going to say that again. Their parents weren't following after or looking after their children. When their children, when they saw their kids, when, when they came home, they probably didn't ask, you know what, how did it go today at school? Did you learn your Hebrew alphabet? How do you like your teacher? Is your teacher nice or is she mean? Well, your teacher called me today. And she told me all that you did. And I want you to know you cannot continue to act like that. And because you did act like that, we are not going to the Hebrew McDonald's. <laughs> Ain't going to happen because of your actions. You know, they, they, they didn't say, hey, I, I, you know what, man? I, I missed you, bro. You know, I, I, you know I've, been, I've been thinking about you all day long, dude. I mean, you know, we, you, you know, you're my homie, and now you're off the... To you know, in the school, and, and, and I get to see you for a while, and, you know, and, and I'm just so elated. I'm happy to see you. Guys, I guarantee you those things, those conversations, those levels of affection were being missed in the priest's home and in the prophet's home. In the priest's home and in the prophet's home. And if we're not careful, it'll be missing in our home. Our home. I'm pointing at me. At our home. It will be missing if we're not careful. So the, what we see, guys, is that these fathers were busy being priests and not parents. Their, their, their priesthood, their responsibilities as priests were too high and gaudy and mighty 
I just don't have time to deal with my kids. I've got too much to do. Now, I looked up some of the responsibilities of the, of, of the high priest, of, of what he, Eli would have been doing. And, and I'm going to re- read this to you. It says, that the old covenant priests offer gifts and sacrifices for the sins on behalf of the people in relation to God. And, and he was a mediator between God and the people. God would come in judgment because of the sins of the people, and the high priest would stand in their place offering sacrifices and satisfied God's justice and demonstrated his mercy by punishing an innocent animal in place of a guilty human being. So that's the point that I said. It says that that, that he, he, the high priest, was a mediator between God and the people. What that means is is that this man stood, as it were, in the middle. If the people needed to get to God, the people went through the priest. And the priest went to God. And just in case God wanted to say something to the people, God went to the priest to give the message to the priest, and the priest would in turn give the message to the people. Say that again. The people wanted to talk to God. They went through the priest. God wanted to talk to the people. He would go to the priest, and the priest would relay God's message to the people. Now, if the priest has good enough sense to go to God on behalf of the people, why in the world doesn't the priest have enough sense to go on behalf of, of, of his children to God? Do y'all know that we cannot do this work without the help of the Lord? Do y'all know that there are certain decisions that you and I have to make that only the Lord can give you the, 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 the answer to be able to do that? We have to stop coming up with these answers ourselves. Well, you know, I, I, I feel led to do this. Do you? Well, if you feel led to do it, how much, how much prayer time have you committed to that? Because ain't nobody leading you but you. If you hadn't spent time with the Lord. Just stop using that phrase, I feel led of the Lord, unless you have spent time with God to feel his leading to do something. When God gives you something, guys, it will be peace that follows it. You don't ever have to worry if you've heard from God or not on, on a subject matter. And if you haven't heard from the Lord, you know what that means? Stand still. Stand still. If you don't know what to do with your child on a certain situation, God hasn't given you an answer, just stand still and wait. It's coming. It's coming. You'll know, you'll know what to do in due time. Uh, but but this, the priests and, and these prophets had huge responsibilities. I mean, you know, the priest was responsible for even going into the Holy of Holies to go on behalf of the people, to offer sacrifices and, and listen to God. And that, that job, that position required a lot from that man. I mean, it was, it was a highly exalted position. Uh, but, but, but they were too busy being priests and parents. And so when you translate that, that now, now to, to 2019, what we are doing is, guys, many of us are too busy being professionals instead of parents. Our professional uh, uh, careers mean more to us than our children do. Our children are just tokens. They're, they're, they're like, you know, uh, uh, bags, if you will. They're, they're like, you know, designer bags. And we like, oh, this is my child. He, he, he attends this school and he makes all A's and, you know, and he's such a you know, wonderful child, aren't you, Johnny? <laughs> and, and, and Johnny is looking like, oh, that's fine and dandy, but, how, you know, but you're not even spending time with me. You know, Johnny could care less about a whole lot of stuff that you care about. All Johnny really wants is you. That's it. And if you give him you, you've given him all that he'll ever need. Because in you giving him some of yourself, because you are a Christian, you're going to give him God. And you're going to deposit godly seeds into Johnny or in, into uh, uh, Megan or whatever your child may be. All right? You're going to do that. All right. Um, if you think that, boy, my time is moving. Um, if you think that it was only relative to these two guys, Eli and to, to Samuel, I'm, I'm going to pull in one more passage of Scripture for you to look at, and then we're going to look at some other stuff. I want you to turn to 1 Kings, chapter 1. 1 Kings, chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 5 and 6. Now, we're going to talk about a man who is still regarded the greatest king of Israel, David. And that passage of scripture reads, about that time, 
David's son, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggath, began boasting, I will make myself king. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time. It says here, his father had never interfered with him by asking the simple question, son, why do you behave the way you do? Y'all see what that says? It says that his dad was so derelict of duty that he never even asked this boy, why are you doing what you're doing? Then, you know, usually we ask that question. If we do anything, man, why did you do that? That was just crazy. He never asked his son why. And you know what? His son was so out of control that, that when King David uh, was on his deathbed, this boy uh, uh, basically anointed himself king. Well, not anointed, appointed. He appointed himself king over all of Israel, and he ends up dying at the hands of his brother Solomon because of another trick he was trying to play on Solomon's mom, trying to get a, a, a one of David's concubines to be his wife, would have given him direct line to the king. So if something happened to Solomon, guess who they want as their king? Solomon was too smart for that. They said, okay, you want to be king? Okay, you're going to be king in this grave. And he did something about it. All right. So I promise you, Proverbs 13 and 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. I promise you it's in there. I ain't making that one up. In the Message Bible, it says in that very same verse, it says a refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. Okay, all right. On this slide, I want Jason to put up this first slide. I want I want you to 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 take this in. He's giving you a printout too, and so there are some things that um you, you can look at because we may not have time to go through all of this. But um on, on on this particular one, I want you to I want you to to, to really let this soak in and sink in. We've got to be engaged. We as parents, cannot afford to take a hands-off approach to our children's spiritual well-being. Because if we do, there's a greater chance they'll be spiritually sick. We can't afford to do it. You cannot afford to take your hands off your children's spiritual well-being. You don't do it in any other thing. You at all the baseball games. You at all the volleyball games. You, you, you have, you, you're one of the coaches. You can't coach good, but you're there. You're the cheerleading mom, the basketball uh, mom. You, you know, you do all those things because you want to be hands-on. I want to see Johnny do well in school, and so I'm going to go meet with his teacher. You know, but when it comes down to the spiritual well-being of your children, we are derelict of duty because we're letting them do and believe whatever it is that they want to do and believe as it relates to this most important critical area. Their spiritual well-being. Notice what I did not say. I ain't say take them to church. I said their spiritual well-being. That includes coming to church, but but you're going to be more effective away from these grounds in your children's spiritual well-being than you are on these grounds. What we want to do is is just serve as a partner to you and with you. We partner with you guys. we're 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 like supplemental insurance. That's what we're like. We, 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 do, we, we do that because, because you're the primary provider. You want to be the primary provider of your children's spiritual well-being, their, their health, because if you're not, your children are more than likely going to be spiritually sick. It's not always the case, but there's a better or greater chance that they will be. All right? Uh, A.W. Tozer made this, this quote as it relates to that. He says, on the second slide, he says, What you think about God is the most important thing about yourself. Y'all get that? Let that sink in. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Next slide. Now, when we look at other faiths around the world, and even particularly in the Middle East, 
particularly in the Middle East and in other places outside of America, here's what you will see. You'll see they have faith or they have religion, and then in the middle is, is their culture. And what that indicates is, is that their faith motivates or moves what their culture does. The culture is insignificant to the bigger picture of their faith. Faith may be wrong, religion may be wrong, but everything they do as a culture, everything they do as a people is guided by their faith. Next slide. But here in America, it's the exact opposite. We could care less about faith and religion in America. And in fact, our faith nowadays is being guided by our culture. That means that the culture has a greater effect on our lives than our faith does. And guess what, guys, is happening right at the church. Right at the church. Whatever the culture says, that's what we're going to kind of start shifting to. Pastor will tell you, I had, um, uh, I asked him and other people, guys, I, I'm so sick behind this. I, I put in some time because I wanted to go, I wanted to um, uh, go into seminary school. And that was a school that was uh, in Minnesota that was going to be, that offered full tuition payment. Everything was going to be paid for, um, you know, pretty much, you know, I had to go down there, you know, some sum or uh, whatever, but it was mostly an online-based thing and, and go down there twice a year for two weeks. And, and in, in four years, I would have a master's in, in, um, um, in, 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 de- in divinity. And so I asked my pastor to, to write a, a letter, you know, to the school uh, on my behalf, and I asked other people to do it. I had to write all this stuff that I was trying to do, uh, got it all together, got it all turned in, made it all the way to the interview round, did, you know, did well in the interview. Um, you know, there was no doubt in my mind I was getting entered into this school. And then the, the interviewer did the dumbest thing he could have done. This man told me that, well, I just want you to know that our teachers uh, are more, you know, kind of on the liberal side. I'm on the liberal side uh, than, 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 um, than what you may be accustomed to. And so I want to ask, so you mean they're more liberal in taking the approach of being uh, uh, um, conservative, right, on, on, on your views? And I know they're, they're more, they take a more liberal approach. And I said, okay, I said, I got a question to ask you. I said, well, how do they, how, how, what does your church say about um, gay marriage? And he said, to my dismay, that our church, along with our denomination, it was a Lutheran denomination, came from Luther. Luther was a strong man. And their, their, their faith now, has, their faith has been radically changed by the culture. The culture now ha- has told them that it's okay to have gay marriage. And so the guy said that, you know, yeah, we do accept homosexuals and homosexuality um, and uh, there's a good chance that when you come to, no, he said, when you come to the school, you will have, um, you know, homosexuals in your classroom. Now, that's one thing to, 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 to have that. I, you're not going to bypass. I, I'm not coming condemning, you know, I'm not trying to do, that's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm trying to say is, is that what the Bible has to say about marriage and homosexuality, the church said otherwise. Now, I understand we have people, our kids, some of our kids are struggling with that in that area and, and whatnot. And I understand that. And I'm not trying to do anything to, to say anything negative on your children. We're working with them. We're going to work. I don't care who comes through those doors. We love them. We're going to work with them. But when you say that we approve of gay marriage, that's when Craig got a problem. And so I told them, I said, well, sir, well, well thank you. Well, I had to email them. Thank you all for y'all's time. Um, I, I, I no longer am interested in this school because my faith teaches me something different as it relates to marriage and family. And that's what I put in there. And I had to stand on it. It was heartbreaking. It was devastating. I knew I was getting to that school, but I couldn't do it. Just could not do it. So in the short time that I have left, Pastor, please don't look behind you at that clock, okay? In the short time that I have left, just want to finish this out. How are we to parent today? How are we to parent today? And I'll go through these quickly, okay? I'll go through these fairly quickly. And these are on your outline. I'm, so the outline has been provided, but here's, here's the deal. If I give you the outline, please take it with you and keep it and look over it. 
Can we make that agreement? All right. Same thing with pastor on Sunday morning. When he gives us an outline, we need, if we're not writing it down ourselves, we need to keep it. Because I promise you, he'd be giving us some good meat every Sunday. Amen? Every Sunday. And Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you. I don't get to hear Wednesdays, unfortunately, over here. I have to listen to it online. All right. Um, so here, here it is. How are we the parent today? We've got to encourage our children to be better before they do better. We've got to encourage our children to be better before they do better. See, a lot of us put a lot of emphasis on the doing, and God wants to put the emphasis on the being. Don't, you know, yeah, okay, my child serves uh, on the usher board. One of them sings, uh, you know, in the choir. Another one dances. You know, uh, they're involved. That's their doing. They, they, they want to be involved and, and do things or whatever. But God is more interested, and I as a parent have to be more interested in them being better than doing better. Does that make sense? I want them to be better people. Because, see, here's the thing. When they be better, they will do better. And in fact, when they do, you will see a spirit rise up inside of them because they're trying to be. Does it make sense? And so, you know, if, if they're just kind of up and doing things and, Father, 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 we love you. Jesus, Jesus, you know, no spirit, you know, there, there's nothing going on. Now, I, I know some of my kids are not, not just, you know, out there and they're not, you know, just, just uh, extroverts or whatever. I understand that. So I'm a kind of introvert. But that's still, when you talk to them, something ought to be different with our, with our children. When you communicate with them, now it ought to be something different. So we want them to be better before they do better. Next one. As, as parents, the following things need to take place. As a parent, we have got to be vigilant. We've got to be vigilant. In other words, you have to have your eyes open at all times. Do not close your eyes on your children because they will get over on you. Trust me, I know. My oldest boy, I, I, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm just going to tell it. He ain't here. I don't care. <laughs> About six years ago, seven years ago, um, we, 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 found, we, we found our oldest boy, Micah, in, in the room. One, the reason why we don't have but one TV in our house now. In, in his room and, and on, that, on that television screen was pornography. He had, you know, we didn't have any subscriptions in that stuff, but somebody had showed him how to use his PlayStation to download you know, pornography so he could view it on his TV. And so my wife walked in there, and it'd probably been better if I had walked in, you know, a little bit better. And she did the food, you know. And, and, and not only that, you know, she, she, my wife's so crazy. Lord have mercy. This girl took the door off the doorpost. <laughs> Couldn't close the door for nothing if he, if he wanted to. Did that. I saw it. I came home and I walked in. Hey, Mike, I see you, baby. Took it off. You got to be vigilant. And guess what? When they ain't doing right, say they ain't doing right. You are not doing right. And because of that, here's the, here's the consequence behind it. All right? Secondly, we've got to partner with other responsible. That's a key word. We've got to partner with other responsible parents and people. You know, our family engages a lot, you know, with Zonda and our family, even before we, we joined here. Um, you know, Zonda and, and Alia and Mel, they, you know, they kind of had a little coalition going, a little rainbow coalition or whatever. They were. And, 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 um, and so, you know, we form relationships with them. And so, you know, we're really, you know, particular about different things as it relates to our children. But we, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if something come up, we got Zonda. No doubt about it. And, and she's going to come running, whatever she got to do to be there for our children. I have, I have no doubt about that because we've, 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 we've partnered with somebody who's responsible. And there are others of you who are like that, who, you know, we, we love you guys because you are so responsible. Thank y'all. Seriously. All right. Then next, we, we've got to become better listeners. Do you know that sometimes that we as parents are too wordy? We like to do a whole lot of talking because we want our children to do all the listening. But sometimes we need to shut up and listen. Okay, shut up is a hard thing. Be quiet <laughs> and listen to your children. Because guess what? Even though they may be quiet people and all that, your children have a lot to say. 
and they want to talk to you. But do you have a listening ear and is your door always open? I have an open door policy in my home. Really? Do you really? Do you know what that means? All right, let's, let's keep moving because I, I I'm out of time. All right, we, we've got to maintain family and secret devotions. That's in our church covenant. Y'all, y'all, what is that? We've got to maintain family and secret. In other words, we've got to get together as a family. And, and, and what we do in our homes, we've got, to, we've got to talk about the Lord Jesus. We've got to talk about God. We've got to build a relationship with our children so they can build a relationship with the Lord. We've got to teach them early and often the gospel message. We've got to dedicate time each day to acknowledge God in our lives. If there is a day that you go by that you don't mention the name of the Lord in your home to your children who need it so desperately, God, something is not right. We've got to fix that. Next one. We've got to be a student of our child's heart and get to know his or her special gifts and passions, then provide opportunities for them to grow in those areas. We've got to instill in our children that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if they hear that from their fathers, it has extra special effect. Dads need to tell their children how beautiful they are, how wonderful God has made them, how God has equipped them with everything that they need. And you need to hold yourself for your future mate. You have been made by God who has a special purpose for your life. All right, God, I don't want to abuse my time. I'm a, I think the rest of it is, is there. You, you've, got it, you've got it all. Um, um, I, I, do, I do want to say, say that last one there that we have. I think that's missing in a lot of our homes. Y'all learn to laugh. Learn to laugh. I'm talking about gut-wrenching, almost using it on yourself. (laughs) Laugh and laugh loudly. Your children and grandchildren need to know that you have humor, that everything isn't always serious all the time. Learn to laugh with them. They'll love you for it. Y'all got got the outline. Y'all got the outline. Thank you. Thank you for your time.